have seen hearts not under the authority of Jesus lead to killing of George Floyd, and then also hearts not under the authority of Jesus killing David Dorn, yeah. who was a retired police captain, also black. What we really need is, is we need hearts under the authority of Jesus. And in this age, not every heart will come under the authority of Jesus until he returns and every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Hello, this is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. This is Every Moment His, a podcast about applying the gospel to the everyday trenches of life. We take the sermon preached the past Sunday and we take it apart a little bit, look under the hood and ask, well, what does this mean for our life? Yeah, how, how does it really apply to, to where I'm living right now? So th- this last week we, we had Trinity Sunday and we especially looked at the Great Commission in the Gospel of Matthew. It's that, uh, that section in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus says, all authority, um, full stop, all authority in heaven and earth mm-hmm. has been given to me and therefore go into all nations, making disciples, baptizing them, and teach to obey everything I have commanded. So that's really, you were preaching on that as well as this Colossians passage that talks about the supremacy of Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you kind of recap that a little bit? Tell us a little bit about your thought process and how that how that sermon uh, uh, un you know, kind of unfurled for everybody. Sure. You know, before I do that, I have to ask you, Pastor Tim, uh, did you watch Pinky and the Brain when you were a, a kid? <laughs> I did. I did. It was on It was on every single afternoon. Yeah. Yep. In, in my house. So it was, uh, I Pinky and the Brain was definitely my favorite. I wasn't a fan of the animating. So I was just, just in it for the uh, the crazy mice and, or rats who wanted to I take it. I think they are the rats. Yeah. yeah. This is where I'm showing a little bit of my age. I am a little older than you. You are. And I think that... Significantly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm 37, (laughs) to be clear. But uh, being that I am a little bit older than you, I think that maybe my cartoon lineup was a little bit different. Uh, Mine was an earlier 90s lineup. Yeah. And so I watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was on in the the early morning. Yeah. But the after-school lineup... You had like the live in-person kind of shows like uh, Family Matters yeah. and uh, Full House. Yeah, Full but House. Then I home think Improvement? You watch Home Improvement? Home Improvement. Yeah, it's a fantastic show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, guess, I guess Pinky and the Brain was an after-school one. Yeah, that's right. But it's like 3.30. My cartoons were more kind of on Saturday or Sunday morning. Yeah. I remember uh, watching Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. Which I don't think my parents wanted me to watch because it was just out of control, approve. hyperactive. Yeah. Boogers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boogers. <laughs> I remember we, my brother and I used to rent video games, you know, and we, there was this Ren and Stimpy video game. And like one of the attacks, I think it was Ren's attack, was a booger flick. Of and course. And my parents just, they just. <laughs> they shut it down. Yeah. There was like, oh, why did we let these kids get this game? It's so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Not as bad as Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> that's right. That was just right out. That know? was just, you know, downright, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> inappropriate. I think that's the word. Yeah. That's such a great word, inappropriate. I use that all the time as a parent now. <laughs> Guys, that's inappropriate. And um, I now I, like, have a lot of sympathy for my parents just not wanting kids to get into stuff that's just junky, you know? Yeah. Like, I even have a little bit of hesitancy with, like, Pokemon. I like Pokemon games. My kids are really into it. But the 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 cartoon is so obnoxious. 
you know, they, my kids start making like funny voices and stuff when they watch it too much, and I yeah, just yeah, I gotta and shut it down. They start talking about Minecraft like <laughs> all the time, and you're like, can we please talk about something that's not Minecraft? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, something more appropriate. So, well, yeah. anyways, uh, you <laughs> asked me the question about what my sermon was about, and I went to a lesser question, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's it's connected, you know. It's a connect. I think there's this question of authority in the text. And there's a question of authority in parenting. Yep. And As so one of God's many authorities. Yeah. yeah. So I think we, uh, that's a pretty good segue. You know, let, talk to us about the authority that Christ has. Yeah. So yeah, the, thir- the sermon was about authority. And that word is key in the text. Jesus says, all authority belongs to me. And so I have taken over the world and I'm taking over the world. That's kind of my first point. That's where Pinky in the Brain came in. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what, do you, what, what are we going to do tonight? Same thing we always do. Take Try over the world. Try to take over the world, yeah. And, but here we were talking about an authority that's not sinister, right? Uh, it's an authority that is really for our good, for our dignity, for, for the healing and, and the wholeness of the world. And right. And we, I think it's good to just, you know, not to cut you off, but you mentioned that, you know, authority is often viewed like we kind of bristle even at the word authority. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, I think you were talking about how, you know, in our, it's just in the Kool-Aid that we drink, the air that we breathe is this kind of anti-authoritarian or anti-authority, I should say, mindset that we're, it's kind of built into us in mm-hmm. America. Yeah. You know, we started as like kicking the Brits out, you know, yeah, it's, we're going to be our own bosses. Right, and that's, right. It's kind of in the air we breathe. And, and so... Well, even our government is set up with a suspicion of authority because yeah. we have checks and balances. And that thing is set up so that, like, one branch of government doesn't get out of control. Right. And so it really is kind of in our American culture. And, and, and that's not all bad because, you know, it's, it's better that we live in this democracy and not in a totalitarian government where there's no checks and balances with authority. But it does kind of trickle down into how we live, that we do this as individuals where we say, I reject the authority of of the church. I reject the authority of the government, of tradition, of values, and that my authority is is the highest say. And that's that's been in the works for centuries. I mean, I think back to, you know, Rene Descartes. He's mm-hmm. the philosopher who said, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. Yeah. And what he did is he took the authority out of, others out of institutions and he placed the authority in the individual yeah and that's and been a yeah. track we've been on ever in the since individual experience yeah. of self which trying to build all of civilization on that assumption right and it becomes you know in rationalism in europe it's the authority of the intellect the, the reason and then romanticism that came after that it's the it's not a chick flick but rather it's a romanticism is the authority of my feelings and then we come down now to the uh, authority of the individual. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's on, on the outset, you think, well, this sounds great. You know, like I'll be my own boss. But the, I think the rub comes in when we realize that no matter what path we take, uh, any authority is flawed. And especially you should be, if you're suspicious of authority, you should also be suspicious of your own authority. Yeah. Right, right. And, and what does it look like when 7 billion people 
say, I am the highest authority. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just complete anarchy. Uh, it reminds me of G.K. Chesterton, the author from about 100 years ago or so. There was the question posed in the London newspaper, what's wrong with the world? A very timely question. It's been a timely question since Adam and Eve, really. Yeah, right. Uh, the fall into sin. And his, of, of course, everybody's got an opinion about everything, so there were lots of responses to this question. And I love G.K. Chesterton's response. It was very simply, dear sirs, I am sincerely G.K. Chesterton. He was saying, I'm the problem. Yeah, and unless we can also admit that, uh, we're going to constantly pr be pursuing our own authority over our lives, as, even as flawed as it is, even if it always brings us to dead ends. We're going to say, oh, at least I got here myself. But so to add to that, what does it look like when 7 billion people are ruled by the authority of Jesus over their yeah. hearts? And, and so really my goal was to show that, okay, and this is where we want to explore this more in this podcast, is the rightful human authorities, even though they are flawed, they're good, um, and God uses them. But what we need more than that is we need the completely good authority of Jesus because the, the authority of Jesus is an authority that we can always trust, that always has your best in mind, that is never has a scandal behind it, uh, that never is abusive. It's an authority that is truly for our good. And the more you submit yourself to that authority, the higher you're raised up and really the more society benefits. That's the great... Yeah goal of history is hearts under the authority of Jesus in worship and praise forever. So I think you made a distinction um, that I thought was really useful. You made a distinction between hard power and soft power in right. your sermon. And you, you said that hard power is like the power of the sword. It's the power right. of coercion. Mm -hmm. um, and soft power is the power of winning hearts or persuasion. Right. Mm -hmm. And that um, Jesus, you know, we know that Jesus will return. Um, in fact, before he ascends, the disciples ask him, is it now, is this time where you're going to uh, bring back the kingdom of Israel? Yeah, Acts chapter 1. Yeah, yeah. and he mm -hmm. says, nope, not yet. Don't worry about that. You have a mission right now. Um, but Jesus's power is one of soft power in this era. Like he's From not, ascension he's not to return. with the sword. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. He's not coming down with his angels. Uh, now th is not that moment, yet he already has all authority. And he's, what he's doing with that authority is uh, wooing the hearts of the world to come freely under his gracious authority. Right. And, and so now is the age of soft power. The gospel woos and transforms hearts. Disciples are made never by force, only by invitation. The Holy Spirit does that. And that's a beautiful thing. However, there will be a day when Jesus Christ will come with hard power. And that is when he will separate. To the right will be his blessed. And to the left, he will say, depart from me. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And we might bristle at this hard power of Jesus where mm -hmm. he, you know, where people will be made to care. Like submitting to Jesus will not be optional. Yeah. And, and we might bristle at that hard power, but the truth is that eventually that hard power is the only thing that can heal this world. It's just that it has to be in the right hands. Jesus is the perfect judge, and, yeah. and he's perfectly fair, 
and his judgments are true. There's no scandal. There's no skeleton in his closet. There's, there's nothing that will be unjust. And really, the world will, will be put to right. That's what we're talking about in the creed every time we say he will return to judge the living and the dead. Right. And really, it, it, you know, I've heard it said, too, that we as Christians don't have to resort to hard power because we can trust in the, the hard power of Jesus. So Paul says that we as Christians should never take vengeance. Mm-hmm. Why? Because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So I can turn away from violence because I know that God will handle it. Because you know that on the last day, justice will be done. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's, you know, just on that particular point, um, I think recently there's been some really amazing uh, pictures, public pictures of people forgiving. Uh, Mm -hmm. Not too long ago, there was a shooting at an Amish school uh, where uh, a man went into a school and shot children. It was a horrific, horrific situation. And... The amazing thing is that within within the day, that Amish community, many of them went to the victim or the the shooter's parents' home, um, offering their forgiveness mm-hmm. and also grieving with them because their son had taken his own. And that's the kind of you know they are willing to forgive because they know they serve a just God. And that that is soft power, but yes. it's so powerful. Uh, it's yeah. incredible. Incredibly powerful. I, I want to bring up another example, a uh, wonderful story I read about a while back. I can't remember what city it was, but there was a, a police officer, a white police officer, who, um, who arrested uh, a black gentleman, uh, and he went to jail, but it was for a crime that he didn't commit. It was all basically uh, based on lies. So this uh, black man got out of jail and he forgave this police officer. Well, because this uh, white police officer uh, became a Christian. Um, I might, yeah, I got to find this story. It's so beautiful. But anyways, these guys are friends now. Like they are brothers in Christ because their, their hearts are under the gentle, good authority of Jesus. And that's something that the world can't do. It's, it's this amazing power that, that, that causes people who really should be enemies, who should say, I don't trust you, you took away my life, that they actually became reconciled at the cross. Uh, such a beautiful story. I mean, it, I, th- I think it, it reminds me of the book of Hebrews where it says, you know, consider Jesus who, who endured such hostilities from sinners, yeah. but um, continued to entrust himself to the one who judges justly. Is that for, it's first Peter? It um, is First Peter, yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. we just read it not too long ago. Not too but long ago, yeah. The key is, you know, Jesus did not turn back with violence um, mm-hmm. because he knows uh, there's no one's going to get away with it, right. right? And the more he trusts that, the more he's able to turn with kindness and grace. Um, and we too, we know that at the end of all time, there's justice for every single deed, and so we don't have to return vengeance, but we can overcome evil with good. Right. Yeah. So now, now let's talk about hard power for a bit. By the way, I referenced Justin Bieber. (laughs) Speaking of hard power. (laughs) I referenced, I referenced Justin Bieber in the sermon. It was actually the article referenced Britney Spears. Oh, but I did a little bit of a switch because when I read the article, Britney Spears was still a thing. Uh Uh-huh. And I think that 
Britney Spears has lost her soft power. <laughs> but Justin Bieber just has lots of soft power. Especially, he's kind of way out too. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like everybody lo- loves that yummy song. It's all, oh yeah, it's, it's yeah. catchy. I was gonna say it's all K-pop now. It's Kor- Korean pop is like taking over the world. Oh, did that start with uh, Gangnam Style? I think that was kind of the comical sideshow of the. Oh, I don't get out much. I yeah, guess. I, you know, it was like in Thunder Bay, some of the kids I was teaching confirmation to, yeah, they would listen to Korean pop like boy bands. And this was their favorite thing in the world, and I could not understand it. It's just interesting culturally because you wouldn't think that Thunder Bay teenagers no, no. would be really into Korean pop, but that's um, right. But they were—they they should be listening to Rush, you know. But Rush. they were listening—they <laughs> <laughs> were listening to Korean pop, and they were totally serious about it. That's and cool, though. Even that's when cool. I teased about teased them about it, they were totally serious. That's awesome. But it's kind of that soft power moving out and uh, you know i'm teasing you but uh, yeah justin bieber had a worldwide footprint and yeah he did yeah right there was some some legitimate soft power there but so now let's talk about hard power because hard power is the authority that god has given to people and and that's a real thing and so hard power has been given to government it's been given to uh armed forces it's been given to police it's been given even to parents, you know, to discipline. Mm-hmm. And, but, and, and so this is an, an authority that God has given. And Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 13. He says that we should respect the authorities that exist. Um, because God gave them because a sword. Because God gave them a sword, right? Yeah. That to, to punish evil and to reward good. Right. But the thing about human hard power, even though it's been given... Really, it's been given in this age to keep sin in check because when hearts are not under the authority of Jesus, like that's why the rule of law exists. I mean, if there was no such thing as sin, we would not need law enforcement, right? Yeah. It, we wouldn't. And, and so God has given this authority, and what we need to remember is if there is an abuse of that authority, it does not negate the validity of that authority. Yeah. And so we should always hold these authorities to a high standard, Right. Uh, But when we see abuses in authority, we should not throw out the entire authority. And that's something I think that maybe people in my generation, you know, they might, because I think a lot of people that that I know, you know, I went to high school with, you know, as I kind of follow them on Facebook, I just see that maybe they have rejected all authority and they've said, well, they're politics would be maybe rage against the machine you know yeah bulls on parade you know and and that's anarchy basically i mean they just want to kind of throw off every authority and and that's we as christians need to remember that all authority is a gift from god and that we want to hold those authorities to a high standard but when there are abuses we don't just throw out the entire thing so let's talk a little bit about some of these authorities and i i think let's start with with the pastoral office right now, granted, that is a soft power authority. Yes. Let's be clear. No pastor can ever use any force. The church is not to have the sword. Yeah. Now and there has been some mistakes in history. Yeah, and let's stop let's start talking now about the way that soft power and hard power have been mingled uh-huh. in church and state. Well, I think of one example, um, well, in the Reformation, you know, we can think of the Holy Roman Empire. Right. And, and how 
there had been a, a mixing of financial power, um, even military power. Right. Um, and they were kind of taking that role as, as both church and state, you know, and that's kind of what the whole Hundred Years' War was about, was detangling those ideas. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That, you know, if you did not submit to the rule of the church, you would be ostracized, you'd be punished, you'd be thrown in jail. Burnt at the stake. Executed, yeah, yeah. burnt at the stake. Um, you know, and this kind of trickles into the, um, the Crusades, Mm-hmm. You know or how even they, the uh, I'm thinking of Latin America, with um, the conquest of Latin America right, by Spain. Right. So where these things have thought we are doing God's work and we're going to do it by the sword. Hard power. Yeah. Yeah. And and that has never worked. No. And and if it works on paper, like hey, we just forced all these people to be baptized. Look right. how big our church is. Like it it, it will come under God's judgment. Yeah, it's a right. it's an abuse. It's right? an abuse. Yeah. In fact, when when uh, Jesus sends out his disciples, he says, "I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves." Right. Right. You're vulnerable. You don't have money. He doesn't say take a sword. Mm-hmm. He, right. Instead, he goes and says, "Go and preach the gospel." And and we have to remember that in the first three or four centuries of the church, under the authority of Rome, so many Christians were killed. Mm-hmm. They were martyred. Mm-hmm. Um, the hard power of Rome came down on the soft power of the church. Yeah. But a- ever since Constantine and that whole thing, you know, uh, we get the Holy Roman Empire. Yeah. And then you got a guy like Luther who, who's preaching soft power. He's preaching the gospel. He's translating the Bible into the vernacular. And he was a refu- um He was um he, he was fleeing for his life, right? I mean, he right. was an outlaw. That's the word yeah. I was looking for. Um, because the Holy Roman Empire would have put him to death. Right. And in uh, fact, he was called a Hussite, right? And that was a threat because they burned John Huss at the stake. In Bohemia, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, for translating the Bible. Right. And they were like, oh, guess what? Hussite, you're going to get burned too. Yeah, let's get the fire going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I could smell it already. So, yeah, and so, so I, I can think of another example. Um, let's talk about when, when soft power, the church, you know, betrays its own integrity mm. through like sexual abuse. So yeah. we have this sexual abuse crisis and, and that's not just a Roman Catholic thing. Let's no, be clear on that, man. That, that is a, a church wide thing. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's common throughout all authority positions. Unfortunately we think, you know, and we'll talk about some other examples, but it's especially terrible when it's in the church. Yeah. Of all the know, places, because right? This is the yeah. place you, sh- this person's representing Jesus to me, mm-hmm. who uses his authority for my good, and now there's someone abusing that authority for their self-gratification. Yeah. Um, and yet, so what, what should happen in that case is, right, the, the abusing spiritual authority, the pastor, should be turned over to the hard authority of the state and thrown in jail, right? right. They should stand trial for exactly. their crimes. Yeah. One of the things that I've seen is in the, in the Roman Catholic Church, they still kind of have this sense that they're going to govern their own consequences of hard power in their church. And so that's what's really got them into trouble is they haven't been turning those priests over well, to the Well, and they've been moving power. them around and things yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, But, you know, even a couple of years ago, there was, there was um, a lot of things coming out within the evangelical Protestant church mm-hmm. about, so this was hashtag me too, and, and this extended to the church where some of these high-profile church leaders 
Yeah. Um, they, it was being revealed that they uh, were guilty of sexual harassment and people would try to cover it up uh, because these people were beyond the reach of the law or, or accountability. And, uh, you know, we as a church should have the highest accountability, the, the, the greatest zero tolerance when yeah. it comes to any kind of abuse. Um, yeah. Well, and, and I think if you look at the scriptures, you look at who is Jesus the most angry with? Yeah. Right? Jesus was the most angry with the religious leaders who were using their authority. Mm-hmm. You know, I, in, in the Gospel, Luke just rocks my world when I read it. But, you know, he says to the Pharisees, he says, you know, you like to put on a show in front of men mm-hmm. and to be, to be praised and greeted openly. You say long Which, prayers yeah, right, but as you, a pretense. He says you devour the homes of widows. And then he says that you will receive the greater condemnation. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's always kind of made me shudder as a pastor because I'm like, wow, you know what? I have a huge occupational hazard. And that's that <laughs> yeah. I could, in dealing with holy things, <laughs> I could become prideful or I could become, I could misuse my authority. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember when I was back up in Connecticut, uh, you know, New England was rocked by the, the, sexual abuse crisis in the, in the church the most. And, you know, Lutherans will often wear clerical collars just like priests do. Oh, sure. Yep. And it was difficult to wear a clerical collar there because there was such a distrust of clergy. In fact, I had a friend of mine, Lutheran pastor, who in his town in Massachusetts, uh, the local barista at the coffee shop would not serve him mm. coffee because the, the uniform communicated to him a betrayal lack of trust, uh, because in that area of Western Massachusetts, I mean, priests had just been moved around and, yeah. and something very similar happened in Canada. They have this, this history of these residential schools and they were largely run by, uh, Catholic and Anglican groups, but there's this terrible horror stories of, uh, abuse against Aboriginal population there. Yeah. These residential schools where they're trying to kind of essentially, um, you know, bring them out of kind of their home culture and bring them into, um, you know, a religious uh, Anglo culture. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the same kind of thing, that symbol of authority that should mean that we're enslaved to Christ, right? And, and will follow his authority only has come to mean a, someone who is in line with the And so I was very judicious about if I ever wore a clerical collar when yeah. I was interacting with. And, you know, and I've worn a clerical collar, you know, back in that context. And it was, you know, on the one hand, it's kind of funny because in St. Louis, mostly Catholic town, I'd wear my clerical collar during seminary and go out to lunch with my family and hold hands with my wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> People would be like, wait a second, what's going on Flag here? on the play. There's a priest and he's holding hands with a woman. What's, he's got kids, you know. So that always led to some interesting conversations. But uh, when I another, was up in the North... Another story. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when I was up in the Northeast, you know, I, I felt self-conscious wearing the clerical collar. And I almost, and I feel so awful just for, for police officers right now because mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like, Same you have this authority, this authority to serve and protect. And yes, there have been abuses in power, but, but that means that maybe people might look at you differently. And I don't think that's largely the case like here in Kearney, but, but I mean, I just feel... And I, and I express this in the, in the sermon that I just feel really heavy for the police community. I feel really heavy for 
those in the African-American community. It, it's just really a tough time in our nation right now. It and, is. And, uh, and those wounds have been ripped open. I, I think... Yeah. But I think let's transition a little bit to a different office. So I think the thesis that we're working with is that God really has given authority into the world. Yeah. He really has given authority to pastors uh, to preach his word faithfully. To teachers, um, yep. to parents, and, and there's to a, government. There's a, a massive amount of responsibility that goes with that. Mm-hmm. And he's also given authority to the police, right? And so when you see a police officer... If you rebel unduly against that police officer, you're actually rebelling against God, who is the authority behind that. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that we need to rediscover. At the same time, both individuals in the pastoral office and individuals who are policing can be utterly corrupt. Right. And they should be dealt with according to justice. And indeed, they will be. Right. But that doesn't mean that the God-given position of authority is wrong or should be undone. Right. We don't reject the authority itself. Like we don't say, well, because there was a clergy sex scandal, let's just get rid of all priests and pastors. Like just burn the thing down. No. Just quit the church. Quit the church. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, if we had to do that in politics, we, well, (laughs) that wouldn't, we wouldn't have a lot of politicians left. It's just a joke, but (laughs) so the thing is, is that, that the authority is good. And I would say that when you hold authority accountable, you are showing respect for that authority when you hold it to a high standard. And we get this tension in the Bible, like, you know, in the book of Acts, you see that the apostles have the highest level of respect possible for even the religious authorities, the high priest, the, the chief priests, the scribes. And yet there is a point where they say, we must obey God and not man. That's right. And I think that same rule applies throughout, you know. Let's just push it into like the parenting uh, realm for a second. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I, Luther says, and I think he's right here, is that the most basic human authority is not government, it's family. Hmm. It's the role of mother and father. And all government authority is derived from the authority of mother and father. Yeah, so if you want to read more about that, uh, if you find Luther's large catechism, which is free online, and you look at the explanation of the fourth commandment, honor mm-hmm. your father and your mother, Luther sees all authority deriving its authority from that basic. And I think he's right, and that, that idea has been amazingly powerful in the Western world to connect those two thoughts. Right, and it's interesting that some, some people would want to downplay the family, redefine the family, just get rid of the family. And, and really, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster in mm-hmm. society because, like, if you want to change society, if you want to do away with racism, like, I would say the church is huge in that, and, but really the family because these things are perpetuated in families. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And it's the family that catechizes and teaches the heart to love the neighbor yeah. regardless of, of race, of color. To be hospitable. To be hospitable to yeah. all people. That's a family thing. That's mom and dad are to teach that first. Uh, and that's important because if the government ever says the opposite, which it has in the past, mm-hmm. then in the family we establish that no, we serve a higher authority, and that is our God, who says that all people are created in his image and are to be equally loved. Yeah, so I, I think that role of parenting, you know, we're both fathers and we're in the thick of it. And I think we should feel, I always feel a little bit of a, a weight there because mm-hmm. it's a rightful weight. It belongs to me. Like God's like, hey, 
raise these three kids to, to fear me and to, to serve me. That's your job. And, right. you know, every day it's like, okay, that's a hard job. I'm going to try. Sounds easy at first, but then <laughs> yeah. you do it and it's like, wow. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, especially as I learn, I recognize my faults, my foolishness from before. Mm. And yet God has deemed to put sinful people like you and me into this office of father um, and expects us to do this. Right. Um, there's like, there's consequences if we don't do it. You know, and, 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 and parents can misuse authority. And yeah. we have the obvious abuses, neglect, absence, and, and people have experienced that. But even the best parents will misuse authority. And so, you know, there's been times where, where I've been upset with my kids and I've raised my voice. And we've all done this as a parent. It's not mm-hmm. like our proud Instagram moment as a yeah, parent. Right. Like, yeah, I yell at you my lose kids. lose your temper. Yeah. yeah. And, and I've had to go to my kids and say, you know what? I yelled at you and that wasn't right. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Do you forgive me? And I have to admit that I didn't use my authority well. But, I, I, but I'm modeling for them what the, the good use of authority is, is that authorities yeah. actually can be wrong. And when they yeah. are, they need to be corrected. That's right. And I think as Christians, we're in, a, in the best position to have a template to, to, um, to compare our, our authority to. So as a, as a father, I'm like, how, you know, my template is the heavenly father, you know, or the mm-hmm. care of Jesus for me and for the church. And so that gives me that ideal that I'm always falling short of, but I can always repent of and grow. Um, whereas if you're completely secular, you maybe don't have a good category for a perfect authority. Right, because every authority you know of is flawed. That's right. And that's why I think that there's a secular move to just burn down the institutions, you know. That's right, yeah. Just, you know, maybe the nuclear family is evil. Uh, Maybe we just need, you know, sort of an anarchy situation. Well, and I think you can see that both on the left and the right. You can. Not to get too far into that, but, you know, we see, okay, on the left, there's kind of this distrust of basic family institutions. Mm-hmm. and even tradition. And on the right, we see kind of a, a sharp move to like economic authority, possibly. Like, sort of uh, like a total free market. Yeah, like total free market. We don't really survival need of the fittest. a nanny state. Mm-hmm. Um, but both of those moves are actually subversive. They're actually um, tearing down and not producing. Um, and so I think as Christians, we avoid those ex- in our political thinking, and we need to say... Um, let's work with the authority that's here mm-hmm. and let's constructive as we try to aim towards the kingdom of God um, rather than just the latest political fad. Yeah, and I think it's helpful as Christians that we don't have any ultimate visions of utopia that mm-hmm. are not the kingdom of God. And so we have our hope fixed in Christ and his kingdom, which will come when it comes in its fullness. And with that in mind, we're not going after extremes because the only thing we should be ex- extreme about as Christians is loving Jesus and loving our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should avoid all other extremes because, I mean, God forbid that we as Christians would be leaning towards the extreme left or the extreme right mm-hmm. because both of those directions, they have these visions of utopia which end up being a total abuse of authority. That's right. Yeah, we've seen it played out many times. Yeah, history, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, one thing I really appreciated about your sermon, and I think it would be useful to talk uh, briefly about, is 
You mentioned, you know, the most beautiful thing is when someone comes under the authority of Jesus mm-hmm. and their lives are shaped by that gracious authority. And that's, you know, the, the, the reason God gave Jesus all this authority is because he laid down his life so right. beautifully in yeah. service. He's worthy of that authority, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you said someone who is um, under the, uh, the full authority of Jesus will, would never, like, put their knee on someone's neck for eight minutes until they expired. Right. Um, and similarly, someone under the full authority of Jesus would not um, participate in riots and, and burn down someone's property that, that does not have any guilt, you know, just going right. to chaos mode. And I think both of those things are tempered when we come under the righteous rule. Yeah, right, right. We have seen hearts not under the authority of Jesus lead to uh, the killing of George Floyd, and then also hearts not under the authority of Jesus killing David Dorn, yeah. who was a retired police captain, yep, also, in St. Louis. also black. Yep. And man, like what we really need is, is we need hearts under the authority of Jesus. And in this age, not every heart will come under the authority of Jesus until he returns and every knee will bow and every tongue confess. But it's the church's role to be all about preaching the gospel so that hearts come under that authority. And a lot of times I think that Christians want to make a distinction between we preach the gospel but let's not get into that social gospel thing. And for our listeners not familiar with that term, back in the 1800s, there was this social gospel movement where the focus wasn't on the forgiveness of sins and the preaching of good news, repentance and faith. We usually, that's you know an evangelical focus, uh, but rather the focus, the work of the church should be in lifting people out of poverty mm. and, and giving them social justice. And so we ma- there's this distinction that's been made between preaching the gospel, repentance and forgiveness, and then social gospel. And really, you don't have to pick. Yeah, right. Because we as Christians should be concerned about racism. We should be concerned about the poor. We should be concerned about unjust things. Like you talked about sex trafficking in your sermon last week. We should be really deeply torn, cut to the heart about these things. And and we strive in our vocations in society to work through these things and and work against them. And sometimes hard power is used, the, the rule of law, putting those sex trafficking Right. Pimps in prison. Thanks right? be to God. Thanks yeah. be to God. But but then what's really gonna change society is the gospel. Because that's what's gonna reconcile people. It, it is the, the saving love of Jesus Christ when people come right. under that authority. And it's uh, that's it's that soft power of preaching um, your sins are damning and yet Christ has stepped in to love you uh, by mm-hmm. taking those sins. This is what wins over hearts. And ultimately, changed hearts means changed actions, mm-hmm. uh, which means righteous living toward poor, um, towards the neighbor. It means serving your sentence in jail uh, gratefully. <laughs> you know, say you were arrested for some terrible crime. Well, you can confess your sins to, the, to God mm-hmm. and be forgiven for completely in the name of Jesus, and yet still recognize the earthly authority that puts you in jail for 10 years. Yeah, like I've heard the old story about, you know, some pastors are what, what's called worker priest. They're a, a pastor who is a pastor on the weekend, but during the normal Monday through Friday, they have a, a normal job. And 
and to see these two powers on display, you could be a police officer and you could you could arrest somebody and bring them to jail. And then on the weekend, you could be uh, a jail chaplain and mm-hmm. go and absolve that person of their sins. Yeah, you give know. them communion. Give them communion yeah. and pronounce upon them the forgiveness of sins. And obviously there's still that that worldly consequence. But um, yeah, man, the, the authority of Jesus, um, that's huge. And And that's where I think that politically on both the right and the left, people miss it. People think that, you know, we can solve, let's say we can solve racism. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't address systemic issues and things like that. I, I think there's a place for that. But, but you, you're going to have to solve some of those things maybe through hard power. Like, it, it's like when you force your kids to love each other, like, dang it, you guys are going to apologize to each other, you know, or you're right. going to be in trouble. Right. That's so much different than your children, like, looking at each other and being grieved mm-hmm. and being reconciled of their own volition. Yeah. And that's what the gospel does, right? I mean, it doesn't force people to be reconciled through right. law. Yeah. It invites people to be reconciled by grace. Yeah. And that's, I think that's, we have to keep those things clear, you know, clear in the church mm-hmm. and clear in the world, too. I think there's a lot of confusion with those two things get mixed up. Yeah. Hey, I, lo- I would love to talk m- to you more about this, Pastor John, and just really think through. I think there's just endless opportunities to think about it. Um, but for now, I think the, the takeaway really is the authority of God is good. It's exercised right. in many ways, but the authority of Jesus is the authority of sins forgiven, mm-hmm. you know, hearts convicted, shot to the heart, shot through the heart, and then forgiven, which is really the, the power of Jesus in this era that we are proclaiming as the church. Yep. Well, good. Well, thanks for joining us for this um, this episode of Every Moment His. Uh, I hope that's useful for you, and uh, we'll continue uh, with some bonus questions here so you can join us then. Uh, what do we have coming up for next week? Yes, I have a commercial for our new sermon series. It's called Rooted, uh, being rooted in the gospel, and we're going to do that for seven weeks. We're going to be walking through some portions of Matthew's gospel, uh, chapters 9 to uh, through 13, I believe. And the focus is really, how do we stay rooted in Jesus? Because, you know, one of the concerns I've had, we've shared this concern as pastors, is that during this whole pandemic, we really don't know who's staying connected to Jesus at Holy Cross and who isn't. And and I've wondered, are there people who have drifted during this time? Mm-hmm. Are there people who have remained steady and rooted? Are there people who maybe have been planted in faith for the first time? Right. As we and we reach. really don't know. Yeah. So we want to preach seven weeks through this theme of how are we rooted, grounded, solid, growing, thriving in Jesus. And a lot of parables in this section of Matthew, Yep. Uh, which are always challenging. They're always um, revealing. Uh, he always reveals something to us of our hearts and his will. So good. Looking forward to that. And you can join us uh, next week as we talk through the first of the sermons in that series, Rooted in Christ.